Go ahead and turn with me to uh, Matthew chapter 3. We're going to be walking through the book of Matthew pretty much this entire semester. I don't know if you realize it or not, we started that on, on Christmas Greenhouse, and we're going to keep going all the way uh, to May, walking through, seeing what it is that Jesus has to say to, to us, what the book of Matthew has to say to us. Um, when, I, uh, when I turned 30, um, I declared it best year ever, okay? The reason why is because I didn't want to turn 30, and I tried to do like a lemons and a lemonade kind of thing right there. All right. And so I'm saying, well, if I have to turn 30, I'm going to make 30 the best year ever. Okay? And I set a bunch of goals uh, for me to be awesome and do awesome things. And so one of those goals of like, I think I set like 20 of them. One of them um, was to be stronger at the end of that year than I'd ever been in my 20s. That's not as impressive as it sounds because I wasn't strong in my 20s. So like any, like, you see what I'm saying? So if I didn't work out for a decade, if I worked out a little bit, I would already be stronger than I ever was in my 20s. Ask me if it happened. No. No, super didn't happen. Probably made it nine days, though. Um, I've been, this year, I've been working out. I've made it, made it to day nine. Baby, tomorrow I'm quitting. I mean, this is as jacked as I'm getting. Um, so this is, is kind of it. I, there's been a lot of times in my life I've made a lot of, like, uh, resolutions or goals. I've done all this stuff. Maybe, like, did, did, how many of you just show of hands? How many of you made some sort of goals, some sort of resolution this year? Like, you thought about it. And like, I, you know, even if you didn't take it super seriously, yeah, a lot of us did. And I, I do this stuff, I, I you know, have all these resolutions, these different things I come up with. And, and, and I've set a, I, think I've, I think I've set a lot of these goals over my life like with kind of like the wrong um, premise or something. Because I've set a lot of them, I, I can't even remember what they are. Sometimes I'll have some resolutions for a year, some goals for a year of things that I want to do that I'm going to start being awesome at or I'm going to get better at. And like three months in, I can't, couldn't possibly tell you what they were. I think a lot of times, um, for, for me, what I do, and maybe you do this as well, is that I make a lot of goals and a lot of resolutions um, that are completely dependent on me just by the force of my will changing me. Like, I, I'm going to work hard on me. I'm going to bring about some change in me. I'm going to, like, just, for some reason, get awesome in, instead of lame and, and, and produce change in, in, my, in my life. And what I've found... Um, over all of the years that I've been doing this, is, is that I'm, I'm really not capable of changing me very much. Like, I'm just not, I'm just kind of am what I am. Like, on my own, left to myself, no matter what the goal is, no matter what the resolution, how detailed the plan is, or how, like, fancy I make the calendar, on my own, I'm not going to change much. On my own, where I tend to see myself going is always backwards away from the one I'm trying to be like. I'm trying to move towards God. I'm trying to be this, 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 this follower of Jesus. And, and I, I find myself just sliding away when it's all up to me. When I make goals, when I make resolutions, when I make plans on my own about Britain and his strength by the, by the power of my will changing stuff, it never lasts. Have you noticed that? That the plans that you make, the resolutions that you make that are, just gonna, that are gonna be dependent upon your strength never seem to go anywhere. This year I've been thinking about what it would take to see lasting change in me. I've thought back about, about where lasting change came from because I'm, I'm far different than I used to be. I'm like unrecognizable from the person I was in middle school and early high school. And so what did it take for, for lasting change to take place in me? And then what we're gonna do tonight We're going to look for how to find lasting change, how to get started on that. We're going to find that in Matthew chapter 3. So some of these verses are going to be on the screen for you, but I always love for you having a copy of God's Word with you, whether it's on your phone or whatever. I think it just helps. Um, If you need a Bible, there's always Bibles in the windowsill, by the way. You can always grab one of those and and jot some stuff down. So you got chairs now. 
So there's not like somebody literally on top of you breathing the same air as you. Like they're exhaling and you're inhaling that same air they just exhaled. Because that's what this over here looks like. Whoever used to sit over here in that area, that was getting gross. All right. And so I had to move you apart a bit. There was like a steam cloud over you. It was disgusting. Um, it smelled for the rest of the week. Uh, anyway, so we're fixing that. We're fixing stuff. You know, goals and whatever, right? So in Matthew chapter 3. Looking for lasting change, it starts this way. It says, in those days, John the Baptist, he came and he was preaching in the wilderness of Judea. And this is what he said. said, Verse 2, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is who who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when Isaiah said, this is going to be the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. So there's a lot right here. It's in this, that John the Baptist shows up and he's preaching in the wilderness. It's not like a desert or something. It's like a kind of like a it's a slope outside of the, uh, Judea. Um, but it's not, not a lot of stuff grows out there. But it's not like the Sahara Desert or something. Okay. Um, so he's baptizing people. There's got to be water. But anyway, so it's it, he's, he's out there and he's he's kind of there's nowhere. It's not somewhere people go. There, there's no reason to be out there. And so he he's out there and he's he's preaching and he's got this. Very simple kind of message. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then Matthew comes back and he says, this is the same guy that Isaiah was talking about like 700 years earlier when Isaiah wrote the book of Isaiah. Like it, he, he said there was going to be one who was coming, who was going to be the voice of one crying in the wilderness. And Isaiah said, this guy is going to be saying, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his path. That's in Isaiah chapter 40, verse three, hundreds of years before John the Baptist shows up. God says like to Isaiah, there's going to be one who's going to come. And he's going to tell my people to prepare for an incredible change that's about to take place. He's going to try to help them to make straight paths, to get their heart right before me so that the change that I'm about to bring about, they'll be ready for. There's going to be one who's going to come to help them get ready for the one who's coming after him. And, and Matthew is saying, this is that guy, this is John. John's here. He's going to call the people to be ready for the change that God's about to bring about in the person of Jesus, the one who can change everything. John's standing here, basically waving his arms, calling out to people to get ready. Get ready because God is about to do something new that you've never seen before that can literally change everything for you and everyone to come. It's the same message to you today on January 9, 2019. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight his path. John was kind of a different sort of guy. He wasn't, he wasn't like, a, like a charismatic kind of guy. He wasn't the person that you would probably pick out to hang out with on the weekends. All right? Verse 4 says that, that John wore a garment of camel's hair. You ever touched a camel? feels weird, man. Like it's, it's, like, it's like you didn't wash your dog for three years or something. Like wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist. And his food was locusts and honey. Hey man, where, where you want to where you want to go to where you want to go get some lunch? Where's the locust and honey at? <laughs> like you know, <laughs> Buffalo Wild Wings got you know they know like, like that's that's who this guy is. Not the normal kind of person you would want to spend a lot of time with. Verse five uh, says something interesting though. It says that even though that's who he was, he's a different kind of guy. It says that everyone was flocking to see him. Everyone was flocking to get out there in the wilderness to go hear what he had to say. Listen, verse five. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all of the region about the Jordan. All of them, all the people in Jordan, all the people in Jerusalem, all the people in the whole region around it. It's like the whole county, like all of Madison County and like most of Limestone is coming to go see somebody out in the woods who eats bugs. All right. That's that's where we're at. Why would they do that? 
Why, I mean, these are like normal people like you. Okay? Like, why would they do that? Why would they make their way out in the wilderness to see somebody who wears a camel hair jacket and eats locusts and honey? Because John was saying something new. John was saying something new. John was telling them about someone new who would change everything. He's speaking about this one who's going to come after him, who's going to change lives, who's going to save souls, who's going to put together the broken, who's going to make beautiful things out of busted people, who's going to take away the sin of the world. He's saying someone is coming who's going to change everything. It's not going to be about the change that you can make. It's going to be about the change that he can make. And he's coming and he's willing to change everything for you. It's the same thing for you right here tonight. There's one who has come who can change everything for you, just like he has for a lot of us. Even those of us in the room who already know him, who has, he has changes. He's not done changing you yet. He's not finished. Your walk with him is not somehow completed. There's so much further, so much more of him. He can still change you. They went out to see him because John was saying something new about someone new. Let's, let's look, I, want you to look, I want to look real closely at verse 1 through 3. Go back to 1 through 3. It says, in those days, John the Baptist, he came preaching wilderness. Forgot that. He said that, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Like, I think repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. If you just have a, like a, a kind of a, like a first thought about that, probably their first thought is, I don't say any of those words ever. Okay? Like, like you, repent probably isn't in your normal vocabulary. You probably don't feel like you have a real good grasp on what the word repent means. And kingdom of heaven, like, like do you know what that means? Like, it's, it feels very um, loose. It feels like a, like a kind of a, con, a concept that maybe you don't really have a good grasp on. But listen, if this is what John came saying, like, like this little tiny message, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. If that was the message that was going to indicate that everything was about to change, then I want you to understand what that means. If that, if that was all John was basically saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, then you need to know what those words mean. So let's, let's start with kingdom of heaven. All right. This idea of kingdom of heaven, it's this phrase that shows up over and over again in the New Testament. It's not, it's, it's, it didn't really show up anywhere before this. It's not really, it's not in the Bible before that. It's not in any other kind of literature and stuff. It's just, it just kind of appears around the person of Jesus, this idea of a kingdom of heaven. When you hear that, you might think about this as like a literal place. Like most for us, like if you think about a kingdom, if there's going to be a place, a kingdom of Britoria, which is my fictitious kingdom in my mind, like it, it would, there would be like boundaries to it. There would be a physical place that would be a, a kingdom. This isn't, this isn't at all what we're talking about. Kingdom of heaven is not like a, it's not about a physical place or a kingdom to be ruled over. What this is talking about is more of a, a reign. Like God's going to reign in people's life. He's going to be doing something. The, the, the phrase kingdom of heaven indicates that God is about to bring about some action that's going to be for and above his people. It's about God's reign and not just about a place. He's not going to establish a, a place with some special people and he's going to like keep everybody else out or something. That's not what he's doing. It's about the rule of God being submitted to. It's about seeing lives changed. The kingdom of heaven exists in every single one of you who's a Christian. Like the kingdom of heaven began to show up in my life when I was a high school student. Like this, this is the way, this is what the kingdom of heaven means. I think it's easier to illustrate it like this. So I, I knew who Jesus was my whole life. I don't ever remember a time when I didn't know the name Jesus. And when I was like, you know, when I was a kid growing up, I mean, I, I trusted, I believed that Jesus died on the cross. I believed that this was true, that he walked the earth and that he had died for me. And if I trust, trusted him or like prayed some prayer or something, then, then I was going to get to go to heaven. And that was pretty much all I had. 
I didn't know him. I didn't walk with him. I didn't like seek him out on a daily basis. I wasn't building my life around him. And honestly, I didn't care. I really wasn't growing in my relationship with Jesus. I had a, I had a, like a belief statement that I made when I was eight years old. And then by the time I was 15, 16 years old, I was still like a baby infant Christian. I hadn't grown a bit. I hadn't grown in Christ at all. And honestly, I didn't care to. It almost had gotten to the point where it just seemed irrelevant to me. There's a lot of behaviors, a lot of things in my life that I really enjoyed doing. And all of them were opposed to what God would want from me. I like that stuff. It was exciting and different and fun. And I was like trying to like, like live in this like new freedom of being a 15 year old. Well, like everything that I was cherishing, everything that I was running after was in opposition to God. I didn't care what he had to say about my life. I didn't care what he had to say about my plans. I'd planned my whole life out without ever asking him once. Yeah, if you'd asked me if I was a Christian, absolutely. If you'd asked me if I was living my life wholly and completely for the person of Jesus, I would have been really confused about the phrasing of your question. <laughs> and then something happened. I met some people, like some of y'all, who actually do love Jesus. Um, and for some reason, those people let me start hanging out with them. I started seeing this light in them and this, this purpose to their life and this love for me and for each other that I, I, just, I just didn't have. I was used to using people and treating people like trash. And the, like the weaker people around me, I tried to step on to get to be the, where I wanted to be. I, I, it's, they were different. There was a love and acceptance. There was a trust between them. And it all kind of stemmed around this person of Jesus they kept talking about, who I knew who that was, but I didn't know him. And they talked about him like they'd, just gone to Wendy's together or something. Like I, and I, it was completely different than the way I, I thought about him. So I started um, asking some questions. I started talking to some of the leaders at my church um, who I thought weren't entirely weird. And I, so I found a couple of people I'd asked some questions about. And that led to some more questions, some more questions. And then somebody challenged me to start reading my Bible. So I mean, it's like, if you've got all these questions, you're, it seemed like you're kind of wanting to figure this thing out. Maybe you should start reading your, your, your Bible on your own. So I did started learning some stuff. God started doing some things in my life. And just slowly but surely, I went from not really giving a rip what God had to say about me and just wanting to get to do what I wanted to do. To all of a sudden, I found like most of my day was getting consumed with trying to figure out who this God was and what he had to say about my life. Trying to figure out how, how I could live for, for him and how I could move towards him instead of continue to walk away from him. There came a point somewhere in that season where I had to kind of make some choices. Am I going to continue being the person that I thought I was going to be or the people I wanted to be around? That I was going to continue those behaviors that I, I were pretty fun, honestly. Or if I was going to try to pursue Jesus. Because there was getting to be this tension between these things. If I continued walking the way that I wanted to go, and, but I was trying to figure out this God over here, I couldn't go in both directions and I had to choose something. And what I chose to do was essentially to do exactly what John is saying. To repent. The kingdom of heaven was, was at hand in my life. God was, God was drawing me. God was pulling on me. And I was pulling back on him. I was trying to figure him out. I was, I was moving towards him. I wanted to move towards him. And by wanting to move towards him, I had to move away from some other things. It's literally what the word repent means. It means stop going in the direction that you're going. Stop going that way, away from God. And literally turning your heart and your mind back towards him and moving back in, in, in the direction of, of God. Doesn't mean you're going to fix all the things. I didn't fix anything. All, all I changed was my mindset about who I wanted to be and where my focus was. My heart and my mind turned towards him, away from all that stuff. And things started to change. I started to see the reign of God in my life. And I started submitting myself to him, trying to obey him and follow him. And, just got, and as I did that more and more, I started to get to experience more and more of God's goodness in my life. 
That's the kingdom of heaven. How is the kingdom of heaven dawning in my life? Has the kingdom of heaven dawned in yours? Or do you know a belief statement you made maybe when you were a kid? Are you walking with him? Are you, are you moving towards him? Some of you in the room, man, maybe if I'd asked you, like, hey, we're, you know, are you a Christian? you believe in Jesus? Yeah, absolutely. Are you living your life completely and totally sold out for the person of Jesus? And you're like, I don't know what that means, right? Okay, then, then just be honest about that. Just own that. If you've been living your life your way and going your, your own way this entire time, there's this point where you've got to decide, do you want to continue going away from the Lord or do you want to repent, turn back towards him and move in the direction he's calling you to go? Christians in the room, did you move toward or away from Jesus last year? The honest answer is both, right? There's probably some seasons when you felt just absolutely just like in the arms of, in the arms of God last year, like so close to him you couldn't get any closer. And there's points when you can just remember in your head, you, remember, you can almost like play it like a movie, when you willfully walked away for like a week or a weekend or even just a moment, you just you moved away from him. Everyone, we, we move away from him. There's this point. We have to do what John said where he says, repent, where we stop. We turn our heart and mind back toward Jesus. Not in that we're going to fix the problem, but that we're going to turn our heart back to the one who can bring lasting change. I'm not able to change me. But when I turn my heart, my mind, and my focus back to the one who can, things started changing for me. Do you want to see lasting change in your life? Do you want to see things change in your life this, this year? It begins with this one simple word, repent. John says it three different ways. He has these three different things. He says, repent. And then, then Isaiah said that, that John was going to be the one that who, who, he said, um, uh, where is it at? Prepare the way of the Lord and make his path straight. Those last two, prepare the way of the Lord and make his path straight, kind of gives you the idea of like building a road or like a, like a runway, like making, like clearing some stuff out of the way, right? And that's exactly what this means. Like when my... Um, I'll tell you a story. My, my grandfather was in World War II. Uh, interesting guy. Like, my whole life growing up when I was a kid, man, my granddad, man, he, he wasn't a big guy. He was, like, probably, like, 5'7". He's kind of a small dude. Um, just kind of mild-mannered, just unassuming. I just, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't know what I thought he did. Probably, like, clean plates or something in World War II. I don't know. But then I had to do a, a – he never really talked about it. Never hadn't talked to my dad about it or anything. Just kind of kept to himself as a happy just guy doing whatever grandpas do, you know. Um, and then in middle school, I had to do a report on somebody in my family who had served in the military. And so I called, I called my granddad on the phone back when landlines existed. And, uh, and I just said, hey, granddad, I got to do, uh, I called him Pawpaw, actually. So Pawpaw, called Pawpaw. I said, hey, I, I've got to do this report. Can I ask you some questions about whatever it is you did in World War II? He's like, yeah, sure, shoot. And so I started asking these questions. I'm like, all right, so what, you know, what, like, you know, what group are you in? He said, I was in Battalion C of 147th. I was an amphibious engineer. I was like, that sounds like Aquaman, <laughs> right? I was an amphibious engineer. So he said, I was like, all right, I have no idea what that means. Do any of you know what that means? I had no idea what that meant. So I asked him what that means. He says, well, basically, um, I got to blow stuff up a lot. It's like, I like this. <laughs> Tell me more. Right? And so, essentially, as the story goes, um, Pawpaw's job was to go in before troops arrived, before the tanks arrived, before anybody else got there, and blow the junk out of everything. All right? That's what his job was to do. So if that means that some tanks need to make it through the woods, you know what he did? He had a pipe. Him and his guys, the amphibious engineers, they'd like parachute in or whatever they got there. have a pipe, and he said they would hammer it into the ground at the base of a tree, and they'd drop a stick of dynamite in it and run. 
That's what he did. He was at D-Day. Parachuted in, blew some stuff up. Um, He was supposed to. They they postponed D-Day a little bit, and the tides were different. It's the whole thing. Ask Austin and Brad about it. Um, But... uh, he was supposed to, and the original plan, like the tides were supposed to be up. You, you've seen the picture of D-Day, those big, like, iron spiky things that were going to keep the boats off the beach. His job was going to be to jump off a boat out there in the water with a charge strapped to his chest. And he was supposed to swim up to the beach at D-Day and strap that charge onto one of those big iron spiky things, pull the pin, and start swimming. The tide was up, so he just... Got in a parachute and blew some junk up that way instead. I don't know, man. But that, that's what his job was to do. He was not the firepower. He wasn't the firepower. He wasn't the one who was going to like inflict maximum damage on the enemy. He was the guy that repaired the way. He was the guy that's, that's, that's drilling pipes under trees and blowing trees out of the way so the big guns can roll through. You know what I'm saying? And so he gets out of the way, the tanks roll up, and then the, and then the bombs start, start dropping, change starts happening, and all he had to do was just prepare the way. My, my grandfather was, um, uh, he, at the end of his life, he had dementia, didn't know where he was and stuff, and, and all, it, was, it was sad. But he was, um, as far as dementia patients go, he's the kind of guy you want to be. So he'd go to the nursing home, he had a stroke, couldn't walk, and uh, he'd always be asking for his pants. Like, he, he's in a hospital gown. He's confused about why he's in a hospital gown. Give me my pants, right? And, uh, like, Grandpa, where, where are we going? You, like, you, you can't give him his pants, right? He, you know, so you got to kind of, like, distract him. Oh, okay, cool. We'll get your pants in a minute. Where where you want to go? I want to go blow some trees. <laughs> some of you need to blow some trees. Some of you have some sin that's, that's grown into these trees in your life. That's put down just deep roots. And when you look, when you look for a path through the, through the woods of all the sin and all the struggle and all the burden and all the hurt and all the anxiety and all the depression and all the fear in your life, there's just, just these trees just everywhere. It's just, it seems impenetrable. And you're not going to be able to fix all that. You can have all the resolutions you want, and you can say, hey, you're going to deal with all these things, and you're going to go handle all the trees. You're not. You're never intended to. You're not the firepower. You're not the big gun. God sent his son into the world to fix what was broken. He sent his son in the world to take all of your sin on himself and pay for it. He, he sent his son in the world to make beautiful things out of people like us. And he can. Because he's done it in me. He's done it in a lot of you. He's still doing it in you. So for you, for me, if we want to see lasting change in our life this year, it simply starts with this word, repent. Preparing the way for the Lord. Making straight paths. Doing everything we can to clear whatever out of our way, whatever out of our heart, whatever out of our mind we can, so that Christ can come in and do what only he can do. Bring lasting change. Bring salvation. Bring hope. Bring joy. Bring peace into your life. You can't manufacture that stuff. But you can stop walking away from him. And with your heart and your mind, you can turn back toward him and say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm in. I'm, I want to move towards you. I want to invite you to do whatever it is that you want to do in my life. If you're not a Christian, what that means is turning toward him and saying, listen, I've been trying to go my own way. I've been trying to fix all my own stuff, trying to handle life and eternity on my own. I can't do it. I need you. Turn your heart and your mind toward him and saying, I trust that you actually can forgive me of my sin. I trust that you actually did die on the cross for me and I need you to save me. That's what it means to become a Christian. Giving up and letting him do it for you. If you're already a Christian, 
There's been some dark spots last year, right? There's been some moments when you very clearly were moving away. Maybe you're still in one of those moments. What I want you to have the chance to do tonight is to, is to, is to stop walking away. Just stop right where you are. And just, just as you are tonight, I just want you to have the chance, just in your heart and your mind, not to say that you're going to fix all your stuff and you're going to stop that behavior and you're never going to do that thing again. You're never going to talk to him again. What I want you to have the chance to do is just say in your heart and your mind, God, I'm turning back to you and I'm, I'm, I'm in. I'm gonna, I want you to do all those things for me. I, I wanna, I'm going to clear all the stuff out of my heart and my mind so that you can come in and you can do what only you can do. I, wanna, I want you to have the chance to make a commitment. Not a goal, not a resolution. I want you to have a chance to make a commitment. A commitment to repent. To stop moving away from him and turn your heart and mind back toward him.